Hello, and welcome back to the Mash and Martinis podcast. I am your host, Colin. Do you want to ask me a question and have me answer it on a future podcast? You can leave it in the form of a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. At the end of the review, toss your name on it so I know who I'm talking to, if you want that is. Uh, And I do sometimes record episodes a week or two in advance, so if you do leave a review, it may take a couple episodes before I get it and that, that gets included, but don't fret, I will get there. You can also email me and I will most likely have that on the podcast as well. Um, if you have any comments, questions, or a random facts that, that you have that you want to share for a future episode, I would love to hear it and I would love to hear from you. That email is mashandmartinis at gmail.com. I do also have a website where I can be reached now. That is www.podpage.com slash mashandmartinis. You can check out information there on the latest podcast read about the show, and see the show notes. You can contact me via messages or voicemails or even, uh, yeah, sign up for, <laughs> I kind of forgot what I was saying there, or even uh, sign up to be uh, alerted for, for new uh, new podcasts that are uh, are coming or being dropped. Okay, so, man, that that intro, like, I, I, I said this, I think, in the last, like, two or three podcasts, like, at some point, like, I gotta rewrite some things in there, but... Uh, I didn't stumble over my uh, my words um, like I did in the last uh, the last couple times, but um, I think it's review. When I say review, like so- something something about that word, I I kind of stumble over. Anyway, so uh, today's uh, little random fact uh, is is actually related to to Halloween. Um, one like I, the the Halloween episodes of Mash. Um, I, I'm not a giant fan of. Uh, I don't know what it is about them. Like I don't know, like they just haven't been good in my opinion but anyway that that's beside the point but something crazy happened this year at halloween so we we just celebrated halloween last week and while i was handing out candy um super packed by the way it was is beautiful weather and and i you know i live in central ohio where in, where for halloween you could it's it's typically very cruddy weather like uh, a lot of rain and windy and cold um i think probably four years ago or something like that five years ago we had like a dusting of snow on the ground um so this year was perfect weather i was out outside in a very midwestern thing of shorts and a hoodie because it was like you know mid 50s 60 degrees something like that but the sun was out it was beautiful it wasn't windy it wasn't cold it wasn't rainy so perfect weather so thus when the weather is perfect uh there are more and more people out trick-or-treating although kids usually don't care they're gonna go out and get free candy regardless but anyway i saw something amazing this year um towards the end of of handing out candy um typically like the little kids that when they come by you know you see mom and dad trailing a little bit and um walking by some of them are dressed up some are not but uh along comes this kid and his parents i don't even know what the kid was wearing but i was mesmerized by the parents the mom and the dad so the dad uh, is wearing a, a very blue Hawaiian shirt with green khakis, and the mom was wearing kind of army greens and a helmet with a with a medic cross on the helmet. I'm 99% sure I knew right away like who they were, but I, I asked them, I'm like, you know, hey, who who are you guys? And they, they're like, oh, we're Hawkeye and Hot Lips from MASH, which then they started to explain to me. They were, I don't know, maybe like a little bit older than me maybe like mid forties. And uh, so they were like explaining mash to me. uh, Like I had no idea. Now, granted, like I'm 40 years old. I was, I was uh, in diapers when mash ended. 
Um, so it's very fair that I would really have no idea what it was. Um, but, you know, they weren't that much older than me, but they were explaining it to me like I had never heard of it. So I listened to like their 15, 20 second explanation. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm actually like a, a really big fan. I have a MASH podcast. And of course, you know, then they were a little embarrassed that they tried to explain MASH to somebody uh, that was kind of a geek about it. So uh, but they were also very impressed. And I, I told them I, I really appreciated it and um, uh, told them that I used to wear a very similar Hawaiian shirt all the time. I, I think I shared in one of my first podcasts, my little random fact is, is uh, when I was uh, kind of in college, I was wearing like a Hawaiian shirt all the time. I had like four or five of them, but I would cycle through them every once in a while. And like once or twice a week uh, at work, I would wear like a Hawaiian shirt. It was, I was working a lot of second and third shifts. So nobody important was there. Um, but, you know, it was just kind of the, the little fun thing I did. Okay, so today's episode, we're on season one, episode 17, Sometimes You Hear the Bullet. Uh, wow. You know, before I get into anything else there, like um, when I was younger, like this episode wasn't all that impactful. And uh, I watched it uh, like I, th I think like the day before Halloween or something like that. And uh, I, I watched it and man, it's it's so it's so good. Um, I, I don't think I appreciated it when I was like in my 20s. And, um, you know, I've watched it a handful of times between then and now. Um, and I knew it was an impactful episode, but going through and, and watching it with um, much more open eyes as I'm, you know, doing this kind of uh, episode by episode uh, rewatch of MASH, uh, th this episode hit hard. Uh, man, that was, it was so good. The acting was amazing. Um, uh, you know, Hawkeye and Blake and just everybody in it, like the acting was fantastic. And obviously the guest stars, um, fairly big names, uh, right. Uh, in, in this episode. So, uh, what else, what else can you act, ask, ask for in a, in an episode of MASH, right? So this episode was written by, uh, Carl Kleinschmidt, who's making his actual MASH writing debut. Uh, we, we do see him down the line again. Um, and this episode was directed by William Wired, who is coming back um, for, I, I think this is just his third episode. He did direct Tuttle and he did direct uh, Henry, Please Come Home. But William Wired uh, comes back uh, several other times. But I think this is just his third episode. Uh, the original air date is January 28th, 1973. So the quick plot of this episode is Frank throws out his back and applies for the Purple Heart. Very Frank thing to do, right? Meanwhile, Hawkeye finds out that one of his patients, who is played by Ron Howard, is an underage soldier. He begs Hawkeye to let him stay on, and at first Hawkeye agrees, but then an old friend of Hawkeye's, who's Corporal Tommy Gillis, is wounded, rushed to the 4077th, and dies despite Hawkeye's best efforts. Hawkeye is overcome by grief and decides to turn in the underage soldier for his own good. So... Uh, obviously some pretty big things in there already just in the quick plot like you can see this being already a pretty impactful episode you know when an old friend dies that's 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 pretty hard so the bananas crackers and nuts of this episode frank and hot lips engage in a romantic evening uh, as they sometimes do which uh comes to a screeching halt when frank's back goes out in a pretty humorous way i must admit so as Hawkeye and Trapper tend to him, they learn that Frank has applied for the Purple Heart. He claims to have slipped in the mud coming back from the showers, and Margaret insists that it qualifies since it happened in a battle zone. And honestly, like, 
it, while it does sound like something Frank would do, I feel like Margaret has a little bit more military class in her to know like we're we're tending to soldiers who are fighting on the front lines who are having to shoot uh other teenagers for a lot of in a lot of these cases and getting wounded and and actually shot and severely injured and amputated and things like that and slipping in the mud even though that's uh false uh <laughs> Uh, applying for a Purple Heart for that is just is just horrible. So politics aside, uh, I feel like Margaret would would have had a little bit more class uh, than that. Um, so anyway, um, this is something that neither they or Henry can obviously believe. But that situation is is again kind of interrupted when a childhood friend of Hawkeye's um, uh, comes in. It's Corporal Tommy Gillis, who's played by uh, James T. Callahan oftentimes just called James Callahan, uh, arrives in camp. Gillis, Hawkeye, and Trapper head back to the swamp to, to get blasted. Tommy tells them that he's writing a book about the war uh, to be titled, You Never Hear the Bullet, to be told not from a reporter's point of view, but a soldier. And that's why Tommy is enlisted and is there now on the front lines with the rest of the fighting men, um, which is a great, uh, a great noble uh honorable thing to do uh as a as a le legit writer and a reporter to actually be there on the front lines with the soldier and you know he kind of tells the the very cliche thing of uh you know you you hear the bullet and uh you know you in like the movies you know the big the big tall friendly lovable blonde kid you know always gets killed in the in the movies or whatever right and um that's that's what he was wanting to write about so wounded are arriving and, and Tommy heads back. One of the wounded is a very young man, Private Wendell Peterson, who is played by Ron Howard. Obviously a pretty big name in Hollywood nowadays. Uh, and he is only there for a bad appendix. Um, so he seems very anxious to get back to the fighting and just wants to get out of there and wants to know how long. And, but Hawkeye tells him he's got to stay there and, and rest for a few days. So later Hawkeye catches him trying to hotwire a Jeep to get back to his unit which is not the first time that that has happened at the camp, right? Actually, I think maybe this was technically the first time on the show, but others obviously uh, down the road try to leave and get back to fight as well. So after talking to him, Hawkeye learns Wendell is not even 16 yet. He went to war to impress his girlfriend back home so he can earn a medal and be a hero. He confesses that he used his brother's birth certificate to get in, and his name is really Walter. He begs Hawkeye not to turn him in, and Hawkeye agrees after getting Walter to return to bed and at least rest up from this. So more wounded are arriving, and, and one of the most hurt is Tommy. So Tommy comes in. This is like next day type of thing. Tommy is coming in. Hawkeye works on him, but proves to be of no use, and, and Tommy unfortunately dies right there on the table and just muttering in amazement that unlike his book title, he actually heard the bullet that did hit him. So, um, and, and of course, Hawkeye, you know, immediately when he says this, is like, ah, you know, it's a dumb title anyway, you know, call it sometimes you hear the bullet. So afterwards, um, after Tommy passes, you know, Hawkeye is, is standing in the OR or, or in the doorway of the OR as he's leaving and just crying. So Henry, you know, tries to console him and pointing out, you know, there's, there's two rules that he's learned uh, at command school is rule number one, young men die. And rule number two, doctors can't change rule number one, which is very impactful. And, 
And while while Henry Blake is obviously uh, a bit of a cartoon character uh, at times, um, you know, this was really, uh, really heartfelt and emotional and powerful. And it's a really good statement and, and uh, obviously something very important to pick up in, in command school as a, as a physician leading, uh, leading a mass unit. So Hawkeye decides then and there to do something to avoid another senseless death. So he tells Major Houlihan to get the MPs because Private Wendell is really Walter and he's only 15 years old and should be sent home immediately. So Walter threatens to never forgive Hawkeye for the rest of his life and Hawkeye hopes it's a long and healthy hate, which is a really, really unique uh, way to, to kind of put that. So in a final scene um, that uh, admittedly is not always in, in syndication when, when this is aired, um, uh, I almost forgot this scene actually existed, but uh, Colonel Blake uh, starts to officially give Frank his purple heart, uh, but opens the box to find a purple earring instead. Outside, Hawkeye pins the purple heart on Wendell's uniform as a way of making up for him breaking the promise of not turning him in. This way, Wendell, or in this case, actually Walter, uh, gets what he wants and he's no longer and will no longer be on the front line. So he gets his medal, he can go home a hero, and he's no longer having to fight as a 15-year-old kid, which is obviously god-awful. So, whew, uh, that, was, that, was a, that was a tough one. So my, uh, my radar's report of, of this episode, there's quite a few in here, so I guess just kind of bear with me. I feel like we got through the plot pretty fast the bananas, crackers, and nuts. So uh, Raiders report will be a little longer. Uh, number one, um, this is the actual first episode of MASH in which the medical staff failed to save a patient, or at least that it's actually mentioned that a patient dies, um, which is probably another like really big reason that this episode kind of hits hard um, in reviews and, and you know, like a, a, the savior episode of MASH or whatever of like, you know, taking it away from like slapstick comedy to like this can actually be a a, a drum com or a, a a I don't know they they always they always called it like sitcoms right like situational comedies but more like a more like a drum com where it's a drama mixed with comedy in there and um, uh, I know Loretta Swit always talked about hating the the term sitcom and uh, she always called Mash a, a drum com. And uh, I really liked that. I think Loretta Swit is very accurate in that case. It's not really situational comedy in this case. It's, it's very much uh, very much in, in the way of drama. So 100% agree with Loretta Swit um, uh, on that case. But yeah, this was like that first like big drama and like this is how MASH can be. So number two, writer Carl Kleinschmidt was nominated for a Writer's Guild Award for this episode. Uh, rightfully so. Uh, number three, Alan Alda cited Sometimes You Hear the Bullet as an example of the sort of television he wanted to do, mixing dark and light, and Larry Linville called it the finest example of what the show could actually accomplish. Uh, related, number four, in Susie Coulter's The Complete Book of MASH, Larry Linville is quoted as saying that Sometimes You Hear the Bullet is his favorite episode, primarily for what he referred to as the most beautiful balance we ever hit between comedy and horror. Number five, in this episode, Ron Howard plays an underage 15-year-old Marine. He was 18 years old at the time of filming, though. So number six, although he plays an underage person when he was 18 in this role, ironically, several years before in March 1966, when Ron Howard was about 11, he played Opie Taylor on an episode of Gomer Pyle, who runaways from home to join the U.S. Marine Corps. 
in that episode is uh opie joins the marines uh so yeah um ron howard uh sorry number seven ron howard by the time he was on mash uh and again just at the age of 18 he already had over 45 acting credits to his name and was easily one of the biggest child actors of the time mostly known for playing opie of course on the andy griffith show Number eight, Ron Howard went on to win multiple Emmys and Oscars in his career. And while I could easily have a ton of other facts about Ryan, Ron Howard, I will stop here because, again, I could have 800 facts on here. But I think most people are pretty aware of his uh, acting, directing, writing, producing career is, is pretty extensive. Uh, number nine, um, Carl Kleinschmidt, however, uh, who wrote this episode, probably has a little less uh, and a much shorter career than Ron Howard. So we're going to talk about him. Number 10, Carl Kleinschmidt is most likely best known for writing uh, this episode of MASH as well as uh, LIP episode. Uh, number 11, he also wrote episodes of The Dick Van Dyke Show, Gomer Pyle, and Welcome Back, Cotter, among others. Uh, number 12, he was also the supervising producer on Pryor's Place, starring Richard Pryor in 1984. Uh, it, it lasted only just 13 episodes, though. Uh, speaking of 13, number 13, the first of several ailments of Burns besides a bad back, which has a tendency to go out a couple times, um, which uh, right off of the bat should have qualified Burns as a 4F, which is too physically impaired to join the service. Uh, Frank also suffers from anemia, a chronic hernia, and a low threshold for pain, which at one point he stated that a hemorrhoid can put him in a coma. Number 14, this is one of a few times that Hawkeye follows military regulations when it will actually save a life. He will do it again later when he refuses to fudge Colonel Potter's high blood pressure in season nine, the red, white, blues. Uh, number 15, it seems unlikely that Gillis and Hawkeye would have actually gone to elementary school together. Um, Gillis in this episode does look older than Hawkeye and uh, James Callahan, uh, who... Uh, is, is playing the role of Gillis is actually six years older than Alan Alda anyway. Um, although it wasn't obscenely uh, obvious that he was like that much older. So it, it, it was very believable, but he does look older. Uh, number 16, James Callahan, who played the role of Tommy Gillis had a 49 year acting career that includes 161 acting credits and goes uh, all the way up until 2007 um, all the way up to his death in 2007. Uh, and then finally, uh, number 17, James Callahan played roles in ER, Picket Fences, Doogie Howser, MD, uh, Golden Girls, um, and Doogie Howser, MD, and, and Golden Girls are actually like my wife's two favorite shows of all time. Uh, Charles in Charge, Growing Pains, New Heart, The A-Team, Bosom Buddies, Police Story, and obviously uh, about 150 others. So my glasses of martinis for this episode, I, I think this is a 10 out of 10 uh, for me. There are funny moments. There are scary moments. Well, not really scary, but, you know, uh, very uh, dramatic moments. Um, it, it's, a, it's a very well-written episode uh, for a 30-minute uh, a episode. I mean, technically like 20, 24 minutes uh, of... Uh, of an episode so so cramming all of this stuff into a, a short uh episode like this is is very impressive um obviously this is one of the most impactful episodes not only in season one and the early seasons but in the entire series and arguably saved mash from potentially just being canceled uh in season one you know mash was not doing well 
And uh, so this this is one of those episodes that uh, maybe had helped turn the tide. So I think uh, giving credit where credit is due and uh, giving this a 10 out of 10 um, for for uh, for this episode is, I think, rightful. So join me again next week for Dear Dad again. I'll be seeing you.